Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right. Another week in the offseason is officially underway as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 164. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell about this Eagles team moving into the offseason now. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this roster? How can they build around what is currently in place? What kind of players make sense for this team at specific positions? Greg and I hit on that over the next half hour hour in a conversation I know you do not want to miss. So let's get it all started here on Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade with NFL Film senior producer Greg Cosell. And Greg, uh, welcome back to the show. We've had a, a week, not even a week, we've had a few days here apart. But let's talk about this team moving into the 2019 offseason as they prepare for the run at 2019. And we got to start. On offense, we're going to start at the most important position in all of sports, at quarterback. Uh, we listened to the press conferences earlier this week from Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, so we've seen all the quotes. Carson, And this isn't a surprise to you or I, because this is how you and I feel as well. Carson Wentz is the quarterback, and really just what, what was your initial reaction uh, with hearing that news, and then really uh, just over the course of the last few weeks, these last few days, as this game has, has kind of settled in, that the loss to the New Orleans Saints? Well, again... I'm not smarter than anybody else, believe me, but to me, this was not really a question. Yeah. I mean, I think you're dealing with Carson Wentz, who one could easily argue is a transcendent talent at the position. A year ago, when he was 100% healthy, before he got hurt, the Eagles were averaging over 30 points a game. They were the best offense in the NFL. It seemed like they put up 30 every week without putting in much effort, and Wentz was playing at an MVP level. And we were talking about Wentz, in in glowing terms, the way Pat Mahomes is being talked about now. And then he uh, tore his ACL. We don't know whether he came back too soon or not. It's irrelevant, but the point is he came back. He did not play as well as a year ago, but he did not play as as poorly as some make it out to be. Um, He had some really good moments and some moments where he did not play as well, and he would be the first to admit that. But I think when you're talking about what you want at the quarterback position with the talent level that Carson Wentz has and the competitiveness that Carson Wentz has, I think you have everything you're looking for at the position. Yeah, I completely, you know, we, you and I have talked about this almost ad nauseum throughout the course of the season, really over the last couple of years, and I totally agree. I mean, Carson Wentz, you know, has the ability to be the total package at the quarterback position and has played like it for, I would say, a majority of his career. Was it always, great. was it always great this year? No, of course it wasn't always great, but, uh, obviously a lot of factors at play with that. And now I think really, let's just move on to the rest of this offense because to me, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see just what this offseason looks like for this team, especially on that side of the ball because we remember going into 2017, the year they won the Super Bowl, a lot was built about, all right, let's, let's surround Carson Wentz with talent. Let's put him in best position to succeed. And that's when they went out. They got Alshon Jeffrey. They got Torrey Smith. You started to see more weapons 
be added around him in that offense. I do wonder if we'll start to see something similar here in this offseason, both at running back or at wide receiver, uh, and just how they build around the guys that they have. Because obviously, look, Alshon Jeffrey, huge piece in this offense. We know what Zach Ertz is in this offense. We can see what Dallas Goddard can be in this offense. Now, how do you continue to build around those three guys? I think it's going to be very interesting to see. The other thing that's interesting to me is the, is the approach they take. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean you take one approach only on offense and you have just one philosophy. But I think that Carson Wentz, more so than Nick Foles, for instance, and more so than many quarterbacks in the league, is a intermediate and downfield thrower and and that's in his DNA. He wants to drive the ball down the field. So that suggests that the quick game, which became the staple of the Eagles under Nick Foles, is really something that will certainly be part of a Carson Wentz offense. But I think that you you would believe that there would be more of play action, deeper drops, try to get the ball down the field, more intermediate and vertical route concepts. And if you're going to do that, then you certainly need some speed and some juice on the perimeter. Now, we know that that Alshon Jeffrey is very, very good, and and he's a certain kind of receiver, and he's very, very good at that. Uh, We know what Zach Ertz is. I think Dallas Goddard has the ability to be for a tight end to provide a vertical dimension. Now, he's not a vertical dimension the way a wide receiver is, but I think for a tight end, Fran, and I think you agree because we've discussed this, that we believe Dallas Goddard could, could provide a vertical tight end dimension. Uh, but I think they need to, to get a sense of, of a vertical dimension, a wide receiver, and, and play to what Carson Wentz does well. And it's interesting because this is something you and I have talked about, and, and just trying to fo- formulate my thoughts on the whole subject. To me, if you look at this roster right now, I think that the best personnel grouping and you know is twelve personnel. You right. get Dallas Goddard on the field. That's that's your best personnel grouping as the roster is currently constructed. So with that in mind, you want to try and make that personnel grouping stronger. Or you know, if you're going to try and beef up eleven, that you know that's one thing. But I think if you're going to try and look at this twelve personnel set and say, okay, we've got Zach Gertz, we've got Dallas Goddard, we've got Alshon Jeffrey. How do we support Carson Wentz further with this with this group? And I think adding a you know a speed element, whether that's at running back or at receiver. Obviously, the the wide receiver position certainly would probably you know be the priority from that standpoint. But I think if you're adding any kind of speed element, and that's for those vertical stretches and for those horizontal stretches, because you know you obviously you know this, but for the listeners, you know the jet sweep and the bubble screens, all that stuff, that all helps stretch defenses horizontally, creating room down the seams on those intermediate throws where guys like Ertz and Goddard would be very effective. No question. But I think when all said and done, you want a vertical element. And, and look, things are not mutually exclusive, as we said. You're not either running a 12-personnel offense or an 11-personnel offense. You, you, you do both. There's no question that as the roster is presently constructed, their best personnel package may be 12 because they don't have a true vertical weapon on the perimeter. But I think you want to look for that. And, and you know, obviously there's only so many Tyreek Hills and players like that, but you do want to have the ability to attack down the field. And I think right now that's something they don't really have on the roster. And you made a good point about the running back position as well. I think he I think you always have to be careful when you have a young quarterback, no matter how talented he is, and we know how talented Carson Wentz is, in thinking that he's going to take care of all this by himself. And I think it's obvious that they need to decide what they want to do at running back. Now, do they need an Ezekiel Elliott? Probably not, because I don't think their offense theoretically is going to run through a back the way, let's say, the Dallas Cowboys do. But I think they need a back that can be counted on on a weekly basis. And 
it's always nice to say, and then coaches like to talk this at conferences about, oh, you know, we have a committee of backs. Nothing wrong with that, but I've always been a believer that you need one back who's sort of the guy. And, and that that's a relative term. Like I said, that doesn't mean that one guy gets 20 carries every single week, but I think you need one guy who kind of is the guy. The way sort of Jay Ajayi emerged last year, we know Garrett Blunt still got carries, but it was really Jay Ajayi who was sort of the guy. Yeah, and I think that that will be something that will be very interesting to follow over the course of the offseason. Is, you know, is it Jay Ajayi? Is, do they decide that they're going to bring Jay Ajayi back? Obviously, he's coming off you know, the two injuries that uh, he suffered this year. But I think really when you look at this backfield, I agree. You know, you've got guys where you can see roles for them in an NFL offense. You know, If Darren Sproles comes back, you see a role that he can play. You see a role Corey Clement can play. You see a role that Wendell yep. Smallwood, all these guys can play. But can any of them be that number one back? Can they, any of them be that primary ball carrier, that's a question that they have to answer this offseason, whether it's one of those guys or if it's somebody else that's not already in the building. I think that's going to be something certainly to watch here moving forward. And then, you know, the other element too, Greg, is, you know, and maybe this is, we're talking about the same player, but a running back that can impact the passing game at a high, at a mismatch level standpoint, you know, what Darren Sproles had been throughout the course of his career, a guy that can line up in the slot and be able to win one on one. You know, I'm thinking, you know, when they go 12 personnel and you go empty, now you're trying to force a linebacker to try and match up on those guys. You're dictating to the defense right. how you want them to match up. I think that's the kind of player that could really help this offense as well. I couldn't agree more. And, and look, there's no question that there's not 50 Alvin Kamaras. You'd like the, the back to be able to do both. In other words, be able to line up in your quote-unquote base offense and run the football and also be able to do what you just said. Now, like I said, there's not a ton of those guys, but I think there's more of those guys coming into the NFL, for instance, from college because of the nature of college offenses. So again, I, you know, you've done a little more draft work, obviously, than I have at this point. I'm just getting started. But you know, I think you'd love to have that guy. And again, an Alvin Kamara type is not the kind of guy that, that you're going to give the ball to 19 times a game. But, you know, you can either give it to him eight times a game or 15 times a game, depending on the game. Uh, and you'd love to have that kind of player. So, so because Darren Sproles, obviously over the last two games, he played a lot of snaps. But when all said and done, Darren Sproles, let's say he comes back, he's essentially going to be much more of an 11 personnel back who's going to play uh, mostly on third down or in longer yardage situations. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting group just to be able to watch because uh, a lot of choices to be made, obviously, with, with the guys that are on the roster, guys with expiring contracts, and then you know what they decide to do. It's an interesting group of running backs, both yeah. in free agency and in the draft. So uh, something certainly interesting to follow. All right, let's talk about this offensive line because uh, you know, look, you, you talk about a guy like Jason Peters who couldn't finish this past playoff game, had some injury issues throughout the course of the season. Uh, you know, Brandon Brooks's injury, ex- extremely unfortunate. Fortunate, you know, to, to have him go down uh, in the final game of the season. There were the reports about Jason Kelsey uh, on the weekend leading up to the game against the Saints. I mean, there's questions about this offensive yep. line in terms of the long-term future. And you know, now you start to look, okay, who are the young guys on the roster? How quickly will they be ready to play? Is Jordan Mailata a guy that can be a starter next next season in the second year of his career? Is Isaac Sayamalo a long-term answer at guard? Would he be best at center? Would he be you know where he's shown that he can play tackle you know in in the past as well? You know, is Big V an answer? I mean, those are all questions that can be answered as well. It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do along the offensive line. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you, you just presented it. We don't need to go over the same names. But the bottom line point is there'll be questions, questions that indeed need to be answered, and you'd, you'd hope to have an answer before week one of the 2019 season. So they'll tell us how they feel about certain players by what they do in the off season. They'll tell us what they think about Jason Peters. I know the the end of the season press conference is always you know somewhat happy talk, and then obviously. Coach Peterson said he wants everybody back. We'll see how that plays out. You know that that wasn't the time to start talking about decisions being made in the off season. Uh, but you know, I think there's a lot of questions, as you said, and we probably don't know the answers at this point. So let me ask you this question: In terms of you know, for the fans that are starting to turn get turn their eyes towards the draft and even to a level free agency as well. If you're looking at offensive linemen, is there a particular skill set that you're looking for that especially fits what the Eagles do offensively? Is there a specific kind that you're looking for? Or do you kind of feel like you know they'll be able to make anything work? Well, theoretically, I think they can make anything work because I think their offense has multidimensional elements. Uh, but when all said and done, because we know Carson Wentz is the quarterback and we know that they try to get the ball down the field more with Carson Wentz because of his arm and, and because that's in his DNA, I think you're really looking for, you know, pass protection to me becomes very, very important. Because pass protection in, in, in what we call quick game, and you know what that means, obviously, but, you know, quick three-step drop, quick five-step drop where the ball's coming out, Pass protection is not as much at a premium in that kind of offense. But if you're going to push the ball down the field, pass protection becomes important because in an ideal world, you would like to get all five receivers out into pass routes. Now, every team runs shot plays where they do what we call max pro, and they'll block with six, seven, sometimes even an, an eighth if they just have a two-receiver route. But when all said and done, you'd like to be able to get five out. So pass protection is at an absolute premium. Yeah, and I would look at athleticism as well, versatility. Yep. I know Doug Peterson has talked about that, that they really value versatility yep. along the offensive line, and for good reason. Obviously, when you have injuries, you need to be able to plug guys in at different spots. That's why Isaac Sayamala was as coveted as he was you know, coming out of Oregon State because of his ability to play multiple positions. Uh, Matt Pryor last year, same thing, coming out of TCU. His ability to play both guard and tackle was certainly coveted as well by this Eagles uh, organization. So something certainly uh, to keep an eye on in terms of of traits for the offensive line position. All right, uh, let's go to the defensive side, Greg, because I think, too, uh, this is going to be an interesting tra- era of transition as well because you look at that uh, defensive line, and there are a lot of questions there. You know, Is Tim Jernigan going to be back? Is Brandon Graham going to be back? Is Chris Long going to be back? You know, Michael Bennett, obviously, is now going into his final year of his yep. contract. It's going to be a, a, a really a, an interesting de- offensive line or an interesting uh, offseason here for this defensive line because you know there are, again, a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, and, and even if people come back, for instance, like a Michael Bennett, you are getting to the point where you have some older players. Now, Derek Barnett obviously will be back, and he's only a third-year player, yep. and I think that his progression has been really strong, and I would bet that he'll end up being a really nice player. Um, but you know, when all said and done, I think they've got some questions here. I mean, what we're ultimately saying about this roster is they're there are some things that need to be addressed, and it, it may not be possible to address all of this in one off season. But I think defensive line is is an area where look, Nada played meaningful snaps this year. He's an older player. You know, Jernigan, he's a free agent, right? Uh, he is. I forget exactly. I'm not no. sure if he's a free agent. But no, I don't you know, think he is actually. Yeah, there's but there's yeah. you know things with like options and things right, like that. Right, right. But and Bennett has one year. We, Brandon Graham is indeed a free agent. Correct. So. 
he may, we don't know if he'll be back. I mean, obviously he's going to test the market and see if someone is willing to pay him a lot of money as a pass rusher. Um, so we'll find out. Chris Long is obviously too closer to the end of his career than the beginning. So it's an area that they need to fortify. Um, you know, I don't think we probably saw quite enough of Josh Sweat on tape. They're with him every day, so they have a feeling about him one way or the other. Um, you know, I don't know what that feeling is, but I don't feel like I saw enough tape to know what he is or what he isn't. Sure. So uh, it, the point is, again, it's there's some questions about the defensive line going into 2019. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind as well is that this is, number one, a very good group of uh, free agent defensive linemen, both inside and outside. And then also this draft, I mean, Howie Roseman said it best, this could be a you know a legendary, a historic yep. defensive line group in the draft as well. So for two things, one, if you're looking for you know uh, new bodies to come in here to Philadelphia, but then two, how that could impact the market for a player like Brandon Graham in, in free agency I think will be interesting. That's a great point because some people might think, hey, why go out and spend a ton of money on Brandon? And Graham, I can draft a guy, uh, but you know the other issue it raises for the draft as we do look ahead, and we'll be spending a lot more time talking about this, obviously. But the issue it raises is when you get to the draft, if one or two positions are really, really strong, do you end up drafting the best player because? that position is so strong as opposed to you know what quote unquote might be viewed as a, as a better need so you run into that as an organization now you could argue d line is definitely a need but but still they're going to have to you know work through that and try to figure that out yeah, it's uh, that those philosophical or uh, philosophical discussions. Thing, yeah. yep. No question, those are those things will always come up, and I'm sure it's something you and I will be talking about this off season as we typically do. Uh, let's go to the second level of the defense at linebacker. Jordan Hicks going to be a free agent. You, you know, we talked about uh, the young guys behind him and, and Nate Gary and Kamu Gruje Hill uh, and what they had shown this off season. But you know, going into the off season uh, again, an- another question that you have to an- you know that you have to answer is: Do you feel comfortable in any of those three guys being three? down linebackers in the future or do you try and bring back a guy like Jordan Hicks it's a great question I mean you know Jordan Hicks being a free agent he knows the defense you know Jim Schwartz will be back I'm sure um you know, so do you want to start from scratch? Or Jordan Hicks, do you look to bring him back? My guess is he'll be that, that he'd be relatively affordable, I would think. Um, I would probably look to bring him back. Uh, you know, I think that you need some stability. There could be a lot of other changes, as we've discussed on the D-line. I would look to bring him back. When you look at, at one gap defenses, Greg, and, and the definition of one gap uh, you know, being really kind of important here, I guess, when you're looking at, at the way that the, that the Eagles play, what is important? What do you need to see from a linebacker to be able to be a good fit in a one-gap defense? Well, one-gap defense, as you know, and again, there's, there's different ways to, to discuss one gap, but in, in, in sort of an ideal world, you're lining up players in gaps between offensive linemen, and their job is to, to penetrate and attack forward. So ultimately... What what you really want to do there is have your linebackers work off of that. Now everybody has to be responsible for a gap. You're not just having linebackers decide, hey, I'll go here. Everybody's responsible for a gap. So when there's a D lineman, uh, when you're playing a four three and you have four down linemen, they're each responsible for a gap, and then the linebackers are responsible for the gaps that the D linemen are not responsible for, and they have to have the ability in the run game to play downhill, because that's the way it works. In a one gap defense, you're attacking, you're penetrating, you're playing downhill in the run game. 
All right, now let's get to the secondary, Greg. And we talked about this in last week's show that, you know, look, this is a, a secondary where a lot of guys played. I mean, a lot of you, you had so many injuries. So we saw yeah. guys like Avante Maddox and Craven LeBlanc all step in. Razul Douglas had a lot of starts uh, this season. We saw Sidney Jones play. We saw, obviously, the two starters, uh, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby. I mean, it, there were a lot of guys that played at corner. There were a handful of guys that played at safety. The Eagles also played a lot of sub package this year, a lot of nickel, a lot of big nickel, a lot of dime with three safeties in three corners. This defensive backfield is, I don't know that it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in uh, from a body standpoint coming into the building, but it's almost just going to be as interesting to see, okay, who develops, how does the competition go throughout the course of the spring and then going into the summer, because you can only keep so many defensive backs. Yes, and I think the guy, quite honestly, that is sort of the wild card in all this is Sidney Jones. Because Sidney Jones was drafted, obviously, they, because they loved the player, and he would have been a top 15 draft choice, barring without his, his Achilles injury uh, leading up to the draft. Now, we know in his two years in the NFL that he's been injured, obviously, the first year coming off the Achilles. This year, he had multiple injuries, couldn't quite stay on the field. When he was on the field, I think if you're being fair, you'd say that he was inconsistent and erratic in his play. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say that's probably fair. Yeah, so if you say that, then th- that's the first point. The second point is, what is Sidney Jones in the eyes of the Eagles organization? Is he a slot corner, or is he an outside corner? My sense is he was drafted to be an outside corner, but those things can change, and we know that in the NFL, teams play out of their sub, you know, well over 60% of the snaps, uh, so he'd be on the field a lot if he was just a sub player, but I think he's the guy they have to decide what he is and where they see him, because the talent is clearly there. Now we need availability, and we need what's his position. Yeah, and I guess off of that then would be where where is Avante Maddox fall in this? Is, is he an outside he's corner? Great yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. is he an out, outside corner, inside corner, or safety? Uh, you know, from the long term perspective, because the Eagles played a lot of time, especially the back end of the year. I know I charted it coming out of the Chicago game. I mean, they played, I, I believe it was over sixty percent of the snaps against the Bears in dime. I mean, they played right. a heavy percentage of their snaps in with six defensive backs on the field. So you know, if Corey Graham's not back going in next year, and if you're not relying on Trey Sullivan. Sullivan to be that you know playing sixty percent of the snaps. Who's who are those guys going to be next season in that package? It's going to be very interesting. Well, it's funny because I just looked at my notes. The Eagles during the regular season, and I'm sure it carried over in the postseason, played seventy five percent of their snaps in in a sub package. So that means there's a slot corner on the field. So, you know, if you decide Sidney Jones is your slot corner, he's playing that percentage of snaps. That's a high number of snaps. Right. Yeah. It's uh look. It's going to be very, very interesting, man. Is there anything else? Uh, I guess on either side of the ball, maybe that we didn't hit on that. You're, that well, just going into this off season, you're going to keep your eye on. I think the one guy I'd just like to comment on a little more, and you brought him up, was Maddox, because yeah. I was really impressed with him. Uh, I was impressed with his competitiveness. With his, fe- he's feisty. I think he's got good traits. Yep. It's just a question of because of whether uh, of him being five nine, Fran, as you well know, you and I have discussed this. Where do you see him? You know, just like we talked about Sidney Jones. I mean, do you feel you can line up Avanti Maddox on the perimeter as an outside corner? There have been outside corners who've played well in this league. Uh, we know Jim Schwartz, who was in Tennessee for a number of years, compared him to Cortland Finnegan, who was a very good corner for six, seven, eight years in this league. Um, some might look at Brent Grimes, who's played in this league for a lot of years and been a real solid corner. Uh, so, you know, where do you see him? 
is he the slot guy or is he a safety? I mean, these are decisions that we can't make, you and I, in this conversation right now. They're going to go through an offseason making these decisions. They'll have an idea right now because they're with the players every day. You and I are not. Yep. But these are decisions that will determine where their secondary goes next year. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a fun off season, man. A lot, a lot for us to kind of discuss. You and I can reconvene here in a few weeks. We'll be uh, out in Indianapolis for the scouting oh, combine. Yeah, I'm looking and, forward to that. Yeah, you and I uh, always get together for a podcast out there on Radio Row. So uh, that'll well, be more importantly, we get together for dinner, friend. That's more important. Well, of course, uh, you know, maybe we should podcast that. The, next the heck with the podcast. You know, we're <laughs> gonna have dinner. Well, we'll get the we'll get the mics recording there for. Uh, there you go. For, well, for well I don't know if we want to do that. No, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here today, and then as as always, all season long here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We'll talk to you again here in a few weeks. Thanks, Grant. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know, I really appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out to Brian Pecan, who left a five star review and a comment on our Apple Podcast page saying how much. He loved the show. So thank you, Brian. We appreciate the comment. Thank you for listening each week. And thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, great stuff this week from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn or Spotify or Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, one more time, take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.